The future has become the present, and in Slovakia, of all places. Flying cars, long the stuff of science fiction and optimistic dreamers, have become real. It can't be denied now. Sometimes reality is just as strange as fiction. Last Monday morning, a car made by Klein Vision made the first ever inner-city trip without incident. This air car runs on regular gasoline and uses a BMW engine. It can reach an airspeed of 118 miles an hour, cruise up to 8,200 feet. The air car takes only 2 minutes and 15 seconds to transform from a land vehicle to a flying craft. Another company, Aeromobile, plans to sell their own 1.6 million flying car by 2023. But no matter how much progress we make, we shouldn't place our trust in technology. The ancient church had a saying, Christ died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Well, that's our confidence. It's only God's grace that gives us true hope. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're in a series called War and Grace. This week, we're sharing incredibly true stories of God's grace, even in the midst of the horrors of war. Yesterday, we heard from the late Louis Zamperini, The book says he was unbroken, and he did endure so much after being shot down in the Pacific and tortured in a prisoner of war camp. But after the war, he was really broken. But all that changed when he met Jesus. Today, we're going to hear another testimony from the other side of the war. Mitsuo Fuchida was Japan's greatest fighter pilot, and he led the attack on Pearl Harbor. But after his country's defeat, he was bitter, he was filled with hatred, but then at age 47, he met Jesus. Stay with me to hear his amazing story told to us by the late Don Stevens. He was a pastor in England who went home to be with the Lord a couple of years ago. But he left us an amazing book filled with 13 biographies from the world wars of the last century called War and Grace. After the program, I want to send you a copy of this epic book for your gift to the ministry. Then as you read it, I think you will be greatly built up in your faith to see how the Lord was at work in these people's lives, even in the turbulent years of war. Once you start this book, believe me, you'll not want to put it down. Give us a call after the program. Make your gift this July to the ministry, but ask for War and Grace. You can reach us by calling us at 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or go online, and there you'll find many resources, like the video we shot with Louis Zamperini at his home in the Hollywood Hills before he died, and a special blog post about his life. You can experience all of that, make your gift, and get War and Grace at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. We hear from them often, but let's hear from them again. We open the program with Sovereign Grace Music. You will save whom you will save. 
We're the lost and helpless ones, the rebels and the renegades who spurned your holy love. You will save whom you will save. Mercy will be magnified. Everyone has gone astray and followed after lies, but you have loved us and opened our eyes. It's your grace from beginning to the end. It's your grace. We will never comprehend why you drew the ones who ran from you. What can we do but offer you praise? To our wills, and if our hearts had not been changed, we'd flee your mercy still. You will save whom you will save, and who can question what you do? You're the Potter, we're the clay. You can make us as you choose, and there is no. That's the song as sung by Sovereign Grace Music here on Haven Today and a program series called War and Grace. I'm Charles Morris. Our story about Mitsuo Fujita begins with an infamous battle, the attack on Pearl Harbor that led the United States into World War II. During the course of the unfolding war, Fujita escaped death several times. His story is one that as Don Stevens said in his book, War and Grace, illustrates the sovereignty of God's grace. Here's how Pastor Don shared Fuchita's story with his church in England on a Sunday night many years ago. On Sunday, December 7th, 1941, the American Pacific Fleet was lying peacefully at anchor when, without declaring war, the Japanese attack some temporarily broke the power of the Americans in the Pacific. And the man who commanded that Japanese raid was 39-year-old Mitsuo Fujita. He was the senior commander and he was first over Pearl Harbor and the last to leave it. And it was his order which started the fury of death and destruction which now engulfed the Far East as part of World War II. 
Fujita was one of Japan's most experienced pilots and he took part in most of the major battles. He was a hardened atheist. He even grew a toothbrush moustache in admiration of Hitler. One Japanese news cameraman had unofficial nicknames for all the senior officers. Fujita's unofficial nickname was Hitler. That tells you probably something of the sort of man he was at that time. Just before the Battle of Midway, he had an operation for appendicitis. He struggled up from the sick bay to the deck of the carrier to wave off his fellow pilots. An American plane came and dropped a bomb which broke both his legs. But had he not been on deck, he would have been burnt alive with the other 30 men who were trapped down below in the sick bay. By the end of the war, he was the sole survivor of the seven commanders and 32 squadron leaders whom he had led at Pearl Harbor. Then in 1945, he was in Hiroshima the day before the atom bomb was dropped. He was attending a week-long conference when an urgent telephone call came through telling him to go to Tokyo. Then the next day came the atomic bomb and his life was spared yet again. In all, there were six events like that during the Second World War where his life was spared and he survived in unusual circumstances. With Japan's defeat, he became bitter and disillusioned. He took up farming, found it boring. But he did, did give him time to think, and he started to ask himself why he had survived a war which had cost the lives of almost all his comrades. It was now the period of the Cold War, and it looked as if another war might start. So he wrote a book called No More Pearl Harbor. And then he was called to give evidence in the war crimes trials which the Americans were conducting. And as he passed through Tokyo Railway Station, somebody gave him a tract called, I was a prisoner of Japan. And now in this tract, an American called Jacob DeShazer described how, while in a prison camp, he'd read the Bible and turned to Christ as a result. Now, almost as in spite of his own instincts, Fuchida bought a Bible, and before covering 30 pages, his mind was captivated. He was reading Luke's account of the crucifixion of Christ when he read Christ's prayer, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And he started thinking of all the men he had killed in battle with his heart eaten up with hatred. About all this, his own words are these. Right at that moment, I seemed to meet Jesus for the first time. I understood the meaning of his death for my wickedness, and so in prayer I requested him to forgive my sins and change me from a bitter, disillusioned ex-pilot into a well-balanced Christian. That date, April the 12th, 1950, 
is the day I became a new person. My complete view of life was changed by the intervention of Christ. Jesus became my personal saviour. Now media reaction was not slow in coming to this. Pearl Harbor hero converts to Christianity was one typical headline. Men who had fought for Japan wanted him to give up what they called a crazy idea. One even attacked him with a knife because he said by embracing Christianity he was trying to impress the Americans. But time proved them wrong. Fuchida wanted to be a full-time Christian worker, so he turned down a well-paid job with the new Japanese government advising on defense matters. Then he attended college in Tokyo, and he became a Presbyterian minister. After that, he traveled widely as an evangelist, particularly in America. Often he would say, I would give anything to retract my actions at Pearl Harbor, but it is impossible. Instead, I now work at striking the death blow to the basic hatred which infests the human heart and causes such tragedies. And that hatred cannot be uprooted without Jesus Christ. He is the only answer. So throughout the 50s and the early 1960s, he was an active, itinerant evangelist, preaching in many countries. Eventually, he settled in his own country. Frequently, reporters would come to him for interviews. He even returned to Pearl Harbor to make a film called One Came Back. It's a moving documentary in which he's seen over the spot where a U.S. battleship sank and became a permanent tomb for hundreds of men. He came back, he says on the film, to express regret, but far more to proclaim the biblical faith. And when the American film company 20th Century Fox produced Torah, 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 the reenacted story of the Pearl Harbor attack, Fujita supplied the Japanese technical information. Then he came to London in 1970 for the premiere. He was 47 when he was converted, showing yet again that the Lord saves people of any age, not just teenagers. His story also shows that God calls those who from a human point of view seem furthest away from the kingdom of God. Many became Christians because of Mitsuo Fuchida's witness and his wife and his son and his daughter followed in the faith. And the years pulled Fuchida and Jacob de Chaser, whose story had moved him to buy that Bible together in Christian work in Japan. He died from diabetes aged 73 in 1976. And Jacob de Chaser, who was once his bitter enemy, grieved for his friend in Christ. So from the ashes of a bitter war, those two men were united in Christian fellowship. Hatred was turned into brotherly love. That's the power of the gospel. Pastor Don Stevens.
who wrote a book called War and Grace, sharing about Mitsuo Fuchida and his conversion to Christ. Years later, he appeared on the Merv Griffith Show, and I want you to hear what he had to say through his interpreter. He talked about his role in the attack on Pearl Harbor. He shared about his newfound faith in Christ on a secular TV interview program. Here's an excerpt from that program on TV. The interview I'm about to do is a very extraordinary one and a very tough one in many ways because I'm not sure yet how to do it myself, but I think we'll all find out together. I ask uh, your patience and your interest and a chance for this gentleman to be heard. Over 20 years ago, it would have been impossible to have this man sit before an American audience. He was the commander of the task force that bombed Pearl Harbor. For three months, he trained the men, planned the strategy, picked the day, ordered the bombs. He ordered the bombs that were dropped that crippled our Navy and brought the United States into World War II. One of the struck ships, the USS Arizona, still rests at the bottom of the harbor, now a memorial as well as a steel graveyard for its crew. After the attack, he drank champagne in a victory party for his accomplishment. His story from that day on, I think you'll find a most interesting one. Merv Griffin told Mitsuo's story and then asked him to share how he learned about Christianity. He boldly told his story. The story you heard earlier, recounted by Don Stevens. But I want you to hear this part in his own words. And while he was in prison, he read the Bible. And while reading the Bible, he met Christ. Then his hatred changed to love. And his hatred? Hatred. His hatred changed into love. Did you catch that? Let me say it once again. Mitsuo's hatred changed into love. That's a dramatic story, a story that only God can bring about. This is Haven Today and a program called War and Grace. I don't know about you, but as I was listening to Mitsuo's story, I was reminded of a different story. A man who lived on the other side of my world nearly 2,000 years ago. Paul, or Saul as he was also known, had his hatred turned into love, much like my brother Mitsuo. The great persecutor of Christians became a martyr for Christ after proclaiming the gospel all the way from Jerusalem to Caesar's palace in Rome. That's nothing less than God's grace. Imagine with me that we're back in the first century. You and I are Jewish Christians, newly converted, excited about Jesus, the risen Messiah. There's a very real problem. Some of our brothers have been killed for sharing the gospel. Persecution is coming upon us, and a Pharisee named Saul is one of the ringleaders. We read in Acts 9 that Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest, and he asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Would you and I be inclined to think that this murderous Saul was a prime candidate to receive the grace of God? Probably not. But what happened next was nothing short of spectacular. Christ appeared to Saul. Saul was converted on his way to arrest even more Christians. This is not how you and I would expect things to go with Saul. 
just like we wouldn't expect things to turn out the way they did for Mitsuo. But God's grace can reach anyone, anywhere. Jesus wants the message of his gospel to go to the ends of the earth. We would be wrong to limit God's grace, as if we knew who was savable and who was not. The fact is, none of us are savable because of anything about us. It is only Christ who can bring his grace to you and me when we are completely unworthy. We'll hear the story of American pilot Jacob DeShazer later in the week. During the war, he was a sworn enemy of Mitsuo. But after the Japanese surrender, they became brothers, real brothers. Only in Christ is this type of reconciliation possible. Only through the gospel do we see this type of grace from God Almighty. This is the grace that turned a pilot who reigned death down on unsuspecting sailors into Christ's evangelist, bringing the message of life to any who would hear. What a gracious God you and I have come to know. What a glorious Savior we worship, even alongside our former sworn enemies. is mine that he who dwells in endless light called through the night to find my distant soul and from his sky This is Haven Today in a program called War and Grace. Lauren Taylory and Riley Harrison Clark, What Grace is Mine. Now, wasn't that inspiring to hear the story of Mitsuo Fuchida? I'm convinced that when we hear the biographies of how the Lord changes lives, it changes us as well. No one 
I'll say it again. No one is too far from the reach of the Holy Spirit. And when you read War and Grace, short biographies from the world wars, I know you'll be encouraged, even inspired. Not only does it have a more in-depth look at Mitsuo, but it also has the story of Louis Zamperini that we heard yesterday. Thirteen stories in all that show God's amazing grace in the most turbulent of times. Like the American Lutheran chaplain who led Nazi war criminals to Christ during the Nuremberg trials. I want you to have war and grace this July. It'll remind you that the Lord's always at work even in the wild years of war. Believe me, it's a real page-turner that'll fill you with hope this summer. Would you call us right now? Make a gift to the ministry, and we'll send you war and grace. You just need to call us today at 800-654-2836. 800-65-HAVEN. Or go online and check the resources we put up, including the video we shot with Louis Zamperini at his home in the Hollywood Hills before he died, and a special blog post about his life. You can experience all of that and make your gift at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And if you'd like to hear the full 30-minute interview with Louis Zamperini, we'll have that posted tomorrow on our Great Stories podcast. Find it at haventoday.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Come back again tomorrow when again we get to share the great story, the story that's all about Jesus, here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. We learn a lot about God's wisdom in the Old Testament. Proverbs tells us the Lord made the heaven and earth by his wisdom. It probably shouldn't surprise us then that the work of the new heavens and earth also a work of God's wisdom. In Ephesians 1.8, we learn just that. Describing our redemption in Christ, Paul says that God lavished this grace upon us with all wisdom and insight. The Lord didn't send his son in ignorance. He didn't pour out his spirit on a whim. God had insight into our sinful condition, and he also saved us anyway. Everyone who is in Christ is a new creation. That work was accomplished in the wisdom of God. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.